0: Hello and welcome to Kicking Match, an Irish League podcast coming at you weekly. And what a seven days it has been since the last time we were talking. Lorne were top of the league, Linfield were unbeaten in 13 games, Portadown had lost all of their strikers, and Glentoran were on the brink of a crisis. It's all changed now, of course. Glentorin are way past the brink. This week, we take a look at the entire situation... Swirling round the oval right now, we review an entire game week and a half of matches and we sift away through all the latest transfer chat. <laughs> this week was back to porridge. All of a sudden you're back in the warm embrace of league action for some people. It's more like the cold hard reality of week to week football and... With all that's going on, you must think that either I'm a scud or I just bring my guests on uh, for a bad time. If not spending close to an hour in my company wasn't worse enough, this person is in here to dissect the week. Not only for all the other teams, but unfortunately the team he follows week in and week out. Uh, I am delighted to welcome back onto the podcast a fellow podcaster. It is Matthew Brown from the Shout at the Oval podcast hello
1: hey peter i can just say that uh should glennthorne ever a trophy i'm expecting a two hour long kicking match special with yours truly here talking about how wonderful we are well
0: you know that could have been the case in october i was looking at prices for big green banners i could have a big theming here I thought what am I going to talk about the rest of the year because right now at that point the leaves were falling so were records for how many goals that you don't concede it looked as though Conor McManon was going to score 3 million goals and look There is a full game week, like a fascinating, a double game week since the last time I've been chatting to somebody in front of a microphone. So much has moved, so much has happened, ups and downs all over the place. But clearly, in the week that's in it, the headline comes straight from East Belfast. He's only played one game, but in the space of seven days, you guys are the ones that are creating all the news, or the ones that everybody's paying attention to. And before we get to Lorne on Saturday, I want to take it back slightly and get into the bigger picture. So right now, Glentoran are sitting 6th in the league. They had this incredible run, we all know it, at the very start of the season. But right now, results on the field are at historically one of their lowest in decades. Was it 1930s I saw? And they might have losses in a row. But this clearly has not been a one week thing it's been a number of weeks, it's been a number of months from being early season favourites, running away with the league at that point in time do you see a moment, do you see a time so far this season where you can pinpoint and go this is where potentially it all started to go pear shaped.
1: I suppose you could say it was that midweek trip to the Glenavon but even before that to be honest we sort of rode our luck at home to Dungannon Seen someone say the other day, but well, the Glenthorn haven't played well since they beat Lauren four 0 which is probably a fair assessment. You know that they, they, they probably haven't played well since then. Um, but the once that first defeat came, you were sort of thinking, hopefully we can get back up, um, on the horse straight away, and it just didn't uh, really come. And obviously, they had the injury to Conor McManaman after the draw with uh, Corrine. and all of a sudden it's like people always say when the media hone in on Glenthorne, things go pear shaped. And after that, there was so much attention on us. Mc was given off afterwards. And I think everything he said that day was completely correct. But then all of a sudden, the whole season just comes tumbling down. And it's not because the media honed in on us. I think that's just a coincidence. Um, But I would say that it was around that time. The really disappointing one was probably the last time I was on the podcast, the Cliftonville defeat at home. And from then, it just hasn't been right. You know, the Glenavon one, you can sort of forgive, didn't turn up on the day. It's just spiralled out of control ever since then.
0: The game you're talking about is the 8th of November. The Lauren game is on the twentieth of October. After that win against Lauren, you get a few wins, as you said. After you lose that midweek game, you do go up to Coleraine on a short week. That's the 11th. Of November like that is two months ago and it wasn't so much on the pitch but what will be remembered about that game is first and foremost the tackle on Conor McMenamin where he was stretched off and there was a massive amount of concern about his health but there's also the comments from manager Mick McDermott after the game which caught a lot of the headlines and created a bit of news itself Mick this season seems to have not been as open with the media and hasn't been as forthcoming with talking about matches, post-match interviews and the like. Do you think it's just a coincidence that you lose McMenamin and then other wheels come off? Or is it has that been a big impact, do you think, on the players?
1: Without a doubt, losing a player of Conor McMenamin's quality is going to damage any team. We were not just a one-man team. For example, see at Windsor Park, when we took Linfield apart earlier in the season, I actually didn't think Conor McLean had that good a game. And we we completely destroyed Linfield. We had Hervoy Plum in centre midfield, was absolutely excellent. Shane McCartan that day was unplayable. And you've got the centre defensive pairing of uh, Paddy McLean and Aidan Wilson, who were just absolutely outstanding as well, had been all season. Rhys Marshall, for example, he, he's the player that I would use as an example. So Rhys Marshall since joining, you can count on one hand if even the amount of bad games he's had for Glen See, since the start of November, I don't think he's had a good game. And it's very unusual because he is a top, top quality player. He's a Mr. Consistent, 8 out of 10 every single week. So it isn't just the Connor McManaman thing. It's just the whole team is just horribly out of form. We tried a new formation and it didn't work. And um and obviously we do have injuries, but you can't use that as an excuse because Glen won't have this massive God. squad. We've signed we've signed 47 players since Mick McDermott took over. So you can't say, Oh, injuries. 47 players in three and a half years is a huge turnover of players. So you, you can't use that as an excuse, you know, especially if the management's coming out and saying, you know, we're um depleted but not weakened. That's a, a phrase Oh, Mick would always use. The management would always use, we're depleted but not weakened. We've got players out, but we're not weakened because we've got squad depth. But, you know, it's just, uh, it's, the whole thing's just, uh, the wheels have came off.
0: It absolutely has. We go to Tuesday, the 8th of November, and Lorne are sitting on top of it. But Glen are our second, 12 games played. They're one game in lieu against Lorne. They've got 31 points. They've only dropped five points at that stage of the season. Yes, you've had a poor result against Glenavon Avon that you probably didn't want. But it's all in your hands And you're going to have a banana skin here or there. And the other factor there is, of course, you're always going to be tied to your rival's Linfield. They're sitting on 23 points. You've got 8 points on them. That was obviously bigger at one point. And now we go to the table as we read it today. And since then, you've only picked up 4 points. That is... Such a turnaround. You are bottom of the league based on any form charts. You do it based on five games, six games, seven games. You talked about formation. That's been something I've been bringing up here. You not only lost McMenamin, you lost McCartan due to suspension. You changed things about the team. Has it just been week to week, poor results, poor performances, not getting the best out of players? Or has there been a certain trend that people aren't seeing them for 90 minutes week on week that we're potentially missing?
1: You're, you were saying earlier on that Glenn are creating news. Well, I wish we were creating as many chances as we were in news because we just we're just not creating chances at all. Saturday was the prime example of that. But this is just a running theme over the last few weeks. We're not offering, you know, Jay Donnelly looks extremely isolated. He looks like he's playing up front on his own. Um, You know, Rory Donnelly hasn't had a good season. In my opinion, in most in most Glenn men's opinion, I think that's clear to see. But he gets picked every week. We're lacking that natural width. Um, hopefully now and again can add something to that. Uh, it's yet to be seen. It's very early days. surprised he started at the weekend. But yeah, we're we're just it's, we're not creating these not creating chances at all. In my opinion, our best performance in the last few months um was away to Cliftonville. Away to Cliftonville, we we did create a good few chances, and it was a lack of finishing. Danny Perkins probably could have had a couple himself. Um, I thought we were really good that night. And we got sucker punched late in the game. Midfield's probably been a problem since 2019, and we haven't. It hasn't been sorted. You know, uh, I think Shannon Cooks gives us something different in there, certainly. But he's not exactly an attacking midfielder. Like I say, Shane McCartan comes back. He always looks to make something happen. But it is a problem Hervoy plums in the bench the minute because he's got this ankle injury and it's reoccurring. It's very, very niggly, very hard to get rid of. I think they don't want to rush him back, but he was really the midfielder who was making things happen for us.
0: The other side of this story is revolt in the stands, revolt on the terraces. We saw some ugly scenes after the game there against Lorne and from the fans looking for Mick McDermott to step away from his role. Does that come from results on the pitch or is it somewhat of a culmination? I guess what I'm reflecting on is there was the comments last week or week and a half ago from the manager which has been reported that he was referring to fans who held up a make-out banner at Myola Park and it's been reported by some places that he was referring to some of the fans that were holding that banner called um, Balloons. Did that somewhat ignite further frustration within fans that he was potentially dismissing some frustration or criticisms they had for his role in the results recently
1: yeah the balloons thing was a story read different than the headline i don't think he was referring to everyone at the time as balloons and he said it was off the record but we can't say for sure whether it was or not it doesn't matter anyway i don't think he should have said it. i don't think he should give anyone a stick to beat him with and obviously that's going to create headlines the, on Saturday, I don't think it's because he called people balloons that they were that angry because Alan McDonald was one of the nicest men in football, and he received the same treatment. Roy Corley's is our most successful manager of, of all time, and he received treatment similar like that, I think it was away the Armagh, and I, I've seen that happen a few times down the years, so it's not, he's not the first person. I think that Glenn Thorne are famous for car park protests. I said them a mate when we're coming out. Where I was at the Oval on Saturday, I want to finished, I went well. He's probably glad that it's raining, but that didn't stop them because they're hardy, hardy breed protesters. <laughs> they that didn't stop them from standing out in the rain and uh, and protesting. So I don't. I think it is. It's very much on the pitch. It's results on the pitch. It's a lack of um of success over this inverted quote uh, project, as they say. In the three and a half years, has frustrated people a lot because, as I say, the four, the turnover of forty seven players and the um, the money invested, and this is the first time because it hasn't been great at other stages, but this is the first time it's really bad. Like it's it's really bad.
0: Is it slightly exacerbated by how good they were? Is that slightly a part of the frustration because it's complete yin and yang? It's for me one of the best runs I've ever seen a side play for the first ten games of the season to. It was reported there by marcia gillespie that five losses in a row in the league it's the first time they've done that since the 1930s is that a part of it that this can work but it's just not right now
1: i think that might be part of it i think it might be because history just repeats itself it's like Glenthorn go going these runs of 13 to 15 um games unbeaten and then or you know wins even and and then the whole thing just falls apart and I do sort of think that they were lucky. I think the management were probably a bit relieved that that Lauren playoff game was the last game for two months because it it was heading that way towards the end of last season. People were very frustrated. The results weren't great. The performances weren't great. And it was a summer of discontent. It was, you know, there was nothing even happening. It was just rumours and there was just chat. There was just all this real animosity coming from the Glemen or maybe fans from other clubs mixing it a bit and I think that this preseason came at the right time. So I'm not surprised that it's happened now because I did say I did think at the start of the season it's like, you know, if this falls apart and me going another bad run, things are going to turn grim. Um which of course they have.
0: Mitt McDermott is a manager who came into the league clearly as an outsider. He is straight talking. He's really brash he is confident in his own abilities. He talked about how some of the beloved heroes of Glentoran have somewhat been through this as manager. Has he ever been fully loved, fully embraced by the fan base? Or has there always been a bit of a, a cold relationship between fans and Mick and perhaps the hierarchy of the club in its current state?
1: No, I think in that first full season, Glenman really bought into Mick really bought in everything he said he was a man who came to the Irish league with bright ideas he he'd been there he'd done it he'd seen these professional leagues through, through around the world he'd been well traveled so he came in and he he was he was doing a lot of media interviews and he was on podcasts and i liked what i heard i thought this is a man who's talking sense and he, he knew all the right things to say and there was obviously the whole moment <laughs> beat linfield and boxing day back in the westburn getting towards the Porter's club up in the shoulders you know, the sunrise in the East and all that. He was just, you know, he had, he had Glenman eaten out of his hands. And I remember listening to Garth Fullerton talk about it. And he was like, you know, he went out to the media and he brought out a bottle of whiskey and he was giving the, the media, you know, a drink of whiskey. And people were like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's just nice of him to do that. And then I think he lost some of the support when he signed Jay Donnelly. Certainly. I think that was the first thing because it, it sort of made people think he's going beyond the wishes of some man He's going above the station. That's just what I was reading at the time. So I think he then started to lose some then. And then I think it was um a collection of things after that. And once you lose Glen Minus, they're very hard to get back. But it was um a collection of maybe performances or lack like, of success and some sound bites and the Twitter stuff. They didn't like the, the Twitter stuff was maybe some people up to. He's
0: definitely not beloved by other fan bases, let's just say, because I believe Mick has come out and ha- what could be seen as criticising of the league. I would say it's more he is bringing forward a lot of ideas that some people don't feel are traditionally a part of what makes the Irish League the Irish League. They see him as 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 someone who wants change, and for people that don't want change from other clubs, they would rather him not see success. I believe because then it says all oh, your ideas aren't the same. But out, outside of that, we see the protests now. You say we've seen it before with other managers. The difference here is that he is in its current setup. He is completely connected to the club. He was brought in by Ali Poor. He is a part of the, the setup here at Glen and beyond just being the manager. Even if poor results were to continue, it's very unlikely that he is not the manager by the end of the season, based on results alone, surely.
1: I imagine it'll go one of two ways. You know, obviously he might make the decision to step away himself. When he first came here, he said that he wasn't he didn't want to be a manager. He says he wanted to be a director, but we needed a pro-license manager and Gary Smith didn't have a pro-license. So he stepped into the managerial hot seat. That story is in the BBC. Anyone can go read it now. He said that himself. Um, he now he he finds himself in that manager hot seat. I'm pretty sure that one day he will step away from it, but he will still remain at the club. And I'm I'm I might be in a minority with this year, but I'm fine with that. I think that Mick does bring good ideas to the table. And I think that he does have something to offer. And I always have. And, I, and he gets criticized by people for going into the media and coming up with these ideas. But I think a lot of them are, are OK. Like I think a lot of them make sense and they're worth discussing. You know, when when COVID was here, he was the only one bringing ideas to the table about what we're going to do if we're going to be able to complete the season, for example. One of two things has to happen. It's either Ali Poor looks and goes, we're not going to make Europe this is going to cost me more money Glentworth wage bill must be no, like north of a million pound a year you know what i mean like that's a and we do have good income streams now so it's not like he's funding the whole thing but he funds a lot of it so he needs to say look maybe we need to change things up a bit or maybe mick just decides himself you know it's not worth it and steps aside and maybe takes on the director of football role that Coy currently has um or takes up something similar to what Desi Curry's doing at the minute and he's like general manager of the club I do think that he will be there in some capacity and then there's also a whole different debate because people are like well what manager would want to work under him but I don't think we should worry about that right now I think that um we just need the right decision needs to be made for the club um and hopefully they can come to that by sitting down and going you know can we do better this is the first time in my opinion this is the first time that you can't spin it in any way things are okay. If we had a one on Saturday or going, even going into Saturday, you could have spun it because we, if we won't had a one on Saturday, we're right back in it because we would have won on Saturday. We've got three games in hand. You know, you'd be quite positive. Um, and we would have been two points off the top then, but f- losing on Saturday there, it was one of them games, almost like a final, the whole thing's now gone.
0: you out of it now, you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it would take a an absolute miracle uh, and, a, and a serious collapse at the top um, we've got, f- for a start, our, four of our five fixtures after the splitter away from home. So it's a mammoth task anyway. Even if you've got a two-point lead at the top of the table going into the split, that's a mammoth task. So to be going into the split with four away games is very difficult. So I, I just can't see us pulling back enough points now. The best we can hope for is a European playoff.
0: Is that what it is now? It's, I have a lot of fans somewhat come to peace with the idea that... What could have been a historically incredible season is now over. It was a spell and now it's looking ahead. It's trying to do as best as possible. It's trying to ruin as many other teams at the top of the tables uh, season as possible. And it's trying to wash your own face and get to automatic European qualification or get in by hook or by crook. That's, That's the aim because... Let's put real lines here. Let's put real numbers to it. There is a fair amount of games we played. You know, we're still talking in the top teens here, but not qualifying for Europe. How bad a result of a season is that, do you think?
1: I think it's an absolute disaster. I think that Glen Thorn have to be qualifying for Europe every year, and not because I think that if we... It's not like it used to be, were if Glen Thorn don't qualify for Europe, we hedge we held all our bets on massive contracts for... The likes of Gary Hamilton, their massive contracts, banking on the fact that we will qualify for Europe, and then we didn't qualify for Europe, so then we went in the financial ruin. It's not like that at the minute, but because we are full-time, because of the level of investment, because of the squad that we have, we've went around the last few years cherry-picking Glen Avon and Cliftonville's best players, and Cliftonville are sitting top of the league. You know what I mean? I think it is, it is a bit of a disaster if we don't qualify for Europe. Of course, um, the Irish Cup is still very much there, uh, we got down away in the Irish Cup. Lose that, and I honestly don't. I, that could be dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't want that to be the case. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he says he's thinking of not going back the rest of the season because of how sort of toxic the Oval is at the minute. And that's that's not the way it should be.
0: Well, we talked about the scenes that happened after this game. Lorne come into town, get to the Oval. They had some brilliant chances to really seal this game away but it's a fairly ugly looking header from Lee Bonus, which seals the three points for Larne. At the end of the game you could hear the boos, at least I could from the radio, ring out loud. Look, Larne have been top or in around the top the entirety of the season. Losing 1-0 to them is not some sort of disaster. It's poor and it puts you somewhat in a position where your dreams of the league title are faded significantly but as we alluded to it's all the other results it's the loss against balamina it's the you know the loss on boxing day you know there's been some ups and downs performance wise but uh it's not resulted in any sort of great run of form points wise and like i said the only win they've had since that one one draw against Colrain has been against Poor away, you know, and they're and their bottom. So bottom of the form table. Let's say some nice things about Lauren. They've had a weird Christmas festive season that they're coming out of. Other teams looked like they were gonna come up and swipe them away, but with a win like this, this keeps them up in and around that area and uh in January now, they've they're busy. They're changing up the team, and it looked as though they had plenty of energy against Glentoran. Or do you feel as though Glentoran were opening up at the back and giving them opportunities to find space and uh, get their shots away?
1: Well, I'll be honest, uh, and this might be a bit of a hot take, but I thought that Lauren better in the four 0 defeat, um, the the the, the Glens, they, they were they were pretty good that day. Um when we beat them 4-0, it was the Leroy Miller going off as sort of the, the turning point of that game. On Saturday, it was a nothing game at halftime. There McGinn blasted the one over from about seven yards. That was really our only chance. There was n- there wasn't many chances from from Lauren either. Uh, they played against the wind. It was the the their keeper um literally took a by ball and it went I can't even remember actually if it was goal kicker, he kicked it out of his hands. It went about a hundred yards in the air, straight up and straight back down again. It was, the
0: wind at the Oval can really dictate games during during these months. I've been there, I've seen it.
1: I've seen two 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 games in a row, a ball blow into the net from a corner um, through the wind. So it can be a bit of disaster, but they really um struggled to cope with the wind in the first half. I think that sort of made it a, a non-event in the first half. In the second half, uh, the Glens came out and had the majority of possession. Lauren didn't go in the Glinthorns half in the in the second half until about 15 minutes. And then the game turned and it was they had the opportunity um for the bonus the, the bonus header that they took was pretty scrappy. I think that probably Marcus Kane and Patty McLean could have done better. They were both in between bonus and don't know. It's probably a bit harsh to blame R. McCary, to be honest. We, we maybe could have got done a bit quicker, but it, you can't blame the keeper for that, I suppose. But yeah, they did have loads of energy. You're right there. You know, they just bided their time. They had patience. They they certainly, in the second half, created a hell of a lot more than, than what we did, which wouldn't have been difficult. We created nothing. We didn't have a shot on target the whole game.
0: Yeah, they had, they had the crossbar. A few of the other players were through. In the first half, of course, Paul O'Neill, if he'd sorted out his feet, he could have hammered at home but uh, like at the minute Lorne they've reshaped their team very slightly Michal Glenn's now in there at their left wing back it's interesting to see how they'll they'll get going I I, it's interesting you said about you probably felt they played better in the 4-0 defeat right now Lorne aren't in their free-flowing best early in their season after that draw they started. to really turn on the style. Right now it feels like they're trying to build themselves up. And it'll be interesting to see. What other transfer business they do. For yourselves. The big signing of the window so far. Is now McGinn. He comes in probably at the worst time. He could come in as a big signing. When there's anxiety on the terraces. And he's got all this pressure put on him. As is he going to be the saviour. I don't think. I don't think a lot of. Glenn fans see him as a saver I think they see him as okay we'll we'll see what he can do here but other teams are trying to put that title on him and see if he doesn't see every season it hasn't really worked out and of course interesting enough you have brought back two lone players you've brought back O'Connor and Jordan Jenkins are they likely to feature or do you see them potentially being a part of I know Kieran O'Connor was on the bench there on Saturday but Could they be a part of this rumoured package that could go elsewhere?
1: Um, Well, here comes the speculation. But basically, um, so Jordan Jenkins and and Kieran O'Connor were allegedly recalled to be part of a package deal to try and sign Reece Campbell from Dungannon.
0: Who did not start for Dungannon on Saturday.
1: Now, Kieran O'Connor has been registered for two clubs this season, but he's also played for two. He came on as a substitute on the first game of the season. Um, for Glenthorn against Lorne, and the talk it-
0: registration. Yes. yes. So the talk,
1: yeah, the talk is that um, we recalled him from loan without realising that he couldn't forgot about play- it. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't play. The most awkward thing about this is Peter. We the Glenthorn announced that Niall McGinn would be wearing number nineteen, which is Kieran O'Connor's shirt number, and you know, so the track... and then Niall McGinn went out in the pitch the other day with 38 in the back and Kieran Connors on the bench with 19 so that is the talk I don't know if it's true or not it's just speculation but that is the talk because we try to recall two players be part of a, a deal for Reese Campbell who would have been a super sign in my opinion
0: unbelievable um, sign and he's the one player where I've looked at for particularly this season but last season as well destined to be top 6 Dungannon do not need to let him go it will have to be a package for that to happen but I talk in this podcast a lot about an Glenn horn could do with a bit more white help what what a dream player he would be for you guys would need to work his way into the starting lineup but again this is all speculation but would be a a, a brilliant signing if possible hey i'm surprised ali roy's gone i'm surprised maybe well on loan i thought maybe a number 11 could have been McGinn's.
1: yeah i don't know i, don't, I um, i'm not sure why he went for 19 but he went for 19 anyway and then yeah just uh it just seems at all i suppose that yeah, people are maybe doing the maths they're maybe working it out themselves whatever i don't know i'm not in a no behind the scenes sort of guy but um we didn't uh yeah we've seen him on the bench and but i haven't seen reese campbell down in the Oval or having cups of coffee or making east belfast coffee shops or hotels so uh the rumor mill hasn't uh hasn't quite stopped yet but hopefully it delivers hopefully i yeah. would love i would love reese campbell and i don't see how jordan Jenkins is going to fit in to be honest with you i imagine he will go elsewhere yeah that would be
0: that'd be a, a quality signing uh for Glentoran if it was to come but again uh, all, all speculation uh talking uh, about now i very quickly how did he do he hasn't had a lot of minutes for Dundee was it just a case of feeling out the league getting himself going or did you see some some uh glimpses of the quality that, that man possesses
1: well he certainly sees he, he had a couple of um he sort of he got the ball in our half of the pitch a couple of times, and was picking out passes that maybe other Irish League players wouldn't see. You know, he was he was he was putting three balls through, um. But he didn't have he didn't have a lot of the ball to be honest with you. Um, he didn't have a bad game necessarily. I suppose like he, as in he didn't do anything wrong, but you couldn't say he had a good game either. The one thing I would say is he doesn't look like he has any less legs than anyone else on the pitch, which is probably everyone else's everyone's biggest concern. He was the furthest man forward probably for most of the game. Um, with Jay Donnelly dropping a bit deeper. But he, yeah, he didn't look like usual middle legs. And I do want to say too, on the on the, on the the game there, because it felt like it was just sort of like um, slagging off the glens. You know, Lauren were worth, worth their three points in the end. Um, And they certainly came good. So fair play to them. Didn't want it to sound like Lauren only won because we were rubbish. It wasn't like that at all.
0: Well, as our final moment on this little Glentoran section, you have McCartan back in the team finally. Any word on when you could get your other... Northern Ireland international back playing in green, black, or white.
1: Yeah, so I've heard that he will be back tuning in next week. We could maybe see him on the pitch against Portadown in the Irish Cup, perhaps, or maybe they'll. They'll leave him out for that one Um, go a week after, just to be sure. I'm sure it'll take a bit to get up the fitness. But in reality, it hasn't been that long without him, but it's felt like an absolute lifetime. So he will be welcomed back Um, into the fold. And it's good to see him. Able Wilson came off the bench the other day, so it's good to see him back too. So every cloud, will try and make some positives. Um, they're all coming out of the, the recovery room and into the fold again.
0: It may not be fun now at the Oval, but you know, some... Teams have other kind of problems, have somewhat middle-class, top-of-the-table problems. I'm talking about one of the teams in North Belfast, one of the results of the season so far. They take care of business against Linfield at home. The euphoria there up at Solitude was incredible that Chris Low tackle is going to be one of the moments of the season no matter what happens they run out 1-0 winners and all they've got to do to keep this fantastic run going they had the lead in their hands was to go down to Taylor's Avenue and take care of business against admittedly a very tricky Carrick Rangers team Cliftonville were 3-1 up at half time Ends 3-3. Three three. What is going on with Cliftonville? That is Glen Alvin type shenanigans there from both teams, actually. Really, I'm sure you'll be happy to see other fan bases have a tiny dose of pain. But you'll be happy to have the points against Limfield. clearly, if you're a Reds fan. But you could be dreaming about the two points that could have been for a long time this season there. They had the game in their hands and they let it slip on Friday night.
1: Yeah, what a game. BBC just picked up a really good one there. There's been a few stinkers on the BBC, but this has been a, this was a really good game. Carrick just never give up. They just went all out. They went for Taylor's Avenue is a bit of a nightmare for teams this season. And I thought really Carrick um, I was sitting thinking the other day if I was the a preview of the Irish League I'm just going to say Carrick going to start really well fall uh, secure their place in the division and then just give up for the rest of the season go on the beach in December <laughs> because that's basically what I thought it looked like but uh, no 3-1 down fair play to Carrick they, they came back and uh, a game with some really good goals and some really good passes as well for that matter quality was, was very high look everyone is
0: probably sick of all us media types Giving a massive parade for young Schummer, but he's got talent, and that goal is just an encapsulation of the skills and the confidence he has to drop that shoulder, nick a pass a player, and sink that ball is just amazing. Amazing, amazing stuff. Other great goals, of course, from Hale and Levi Eyes getting a goal, but they left the door open I know Gart's side had to come off for the veteran Darty and the second goal. The ball just goes across the six-yard box. Defender or goalkeeper deal with it. Didn't happen. And then pretty much with one of the final few kicks of the game, an in injury time, Lloyd Anderson. Absolutely loving it. Gets it at 3-3. That's hot ends. Stuart King can motivate these teams in the big games. And look, Cliftonville join a big roster of teams. Crusaders have fallen there. Linfield have fallen there. And you'll just hope that they'll not live to regret that result. As well done for Carrick. But that is so frustrating for Cliftonville. Because they're looking good. I put a poll up on the Twitter. Because I thought... Everything's looking really, really close right now and we're going into this part of the season where we've all seen a a massive part of how all these teams play, how they set up, how they deal with the big games and everybody can argue for most of the teams that are up there. But I asked, you know, who is the real favourite? And I absolutely believed, up until Friday night, that Cliftonville were the clear favourites at this stage. They have a lot of home games against the top teams. They look good at the top games. They are looking excellent at home. And they, yes, they had a result like Friday's in them, but it didn't seem that they would have it consistently. And they've responded really well from any of these type of results, but that that is a sickener. But Give, give it to Carrick Rangers. Uh, they fought and fought and fought. And Stuart King had a mile-wide smile on his face. But a manager who is also boasting great results and a wily smile of his own. It's own Kearney. The informed team in the league. They've got a, a nice little run of fixtures. Yes, they've got Cliftonville coming up. But they are looking so slick. They're almost having their own mini Glentoran-esque run at the minute. Cole Ryan completely walk over Portadown at home, and it just seemed to be another easy day at the office for the Bandsiders. For one it ends,
1: well, I was thinking when I was watching this that Portadown probably had the old classic all oh, lads have gone too early by scoring that or, that uh, that early goal. Um, bit of a a shambles at the back um, for Cole uh which isn't like them. Um, yeah, the Greg Murhouse will be thanking their defenders for that um opportunity to snuck in at the back posts or the front posts to nip it in. Um, but what a response from Corian. Um, again, it was a, a game with uh some great football, some really nice football. Jamie Glacken with the, the lovely cross. Um, so yeah, we have some really nice football played from Corian. They are absolutely flying at the minute, and it's good to also see Michael McCrudden back in the, in the goals. He uh obviously. It looked like he just disappeared off the face of the earth for a while. He's back in the goals, back doing well for Corian, so they'll be thankful for him.
0: That really suits him well, probably just that there hasn't a massive amount of pressure on him. He can be a part of this rotational team, and Corian really seems to be this rotational team where Lynch will come in, they'll come out, you'll have Glacken come in, and it will change up with Shevlin be the real cornerstone of it. And we've seen those wide players come in, they've brought in... Now they brought in Andy Scott from Lauren, which clearly or Kearney had a real notion about him. They've paid a fee to bring that young wide player in. Wasn't like he was pulling up trees at Lauren. Probably suits a team that like Cole Rainey, who play high wide men rather than with Lauren. It's the more deep wing back kind of role. But after taking the early lead, it was like poor down just made and angry. It's like flicking the Hulk on the nose because they just came back and just got three before halftime, and it was all over at that point. And Nell Curry, a, a dejected man, at the end of that, incredibly disappointed uh, with his team. He didn't want to name names. that He said in his post match uh, interview, but poor down are making moves. They lose Jordan Jenkins. They couldn't play carfriel there they themselves were on the big striker hunt they bring in benny igion in from dundela one of the numerous dundela players who has exited wilger park this season he's a bit taller and stronger type target man feels over the top but he's a big bold striker but again he's really not done much beyond championship level in his career so that's a, that's a big step up for him but strangely one of the most shocking transfers are ones that completely took me off guard. When I looked at my phone, I'm like, oh, what's going on? And I saw Paul McElroy is signed for Portadown from Balamina. There's been a big exodus from Balamina as well. But he was not listed as one of the players. Yes, he has not been getting a lot of games for the Sky Blues. But their top goal scorer, one of their top goal scorers from last season, 15 goals. Yes, a lot of them are penalties. He's moved... It's not really clear what deal was made there. He's moved back to Portadown. He was there for a short term. I was reading. Portadown have been crying out for an experienced striker. That is what they're getting
1: with Paul McElroy. Yeah, Portadown's problem has been they're lacking goals, mind you. If you had to watch the highlights of the game um, on Saturday, their defending was a bit shambolic too for a couple of goals, certainly, and. Uh, they'll not be too happy with that. But yeah, Paul McIlroy, an experienced player at this level. He's got goals in him. I'd just say, although a lot of them were penalties last season, it, it doesn't really matter. If you know where the net is, you get a knack for scoring. I didn't know who they were going to bring in. They obviously tried to bring back uh Adam Sally, and that didn't work. You look around the league, there's not exactly too many surplus top centre forwards. If you look at it, Paul McElroy is an upgrade on Jordan Jenkins in my opinion and certainly he's, he's got the, the pedigree Jordan's still young enough he can still have a good RC career but he's um yeah I think they've done good business there the exodus from Dundella I know that Dundell aren't too happy about some of the players that have um moved on they've lost half their team I don't know it's people are saying Portadown are planning for the championship next year but the McElroy signing it makes me think that they're thinking all's oh, not lost. It's an interesting thing. If you were a Portown
0: fan, I don't know what you'd be thinking because you're probably looking at it thinking, OK, you've got a couple of Dundella players who were clearly top-end championship players. They're, they're playing for Dundella. They're playing in, in one of the better championship teams. They come in, get a chance to prove themselves again. And Paul McElroy seems to be the first player that they've signed from another premiership team in a long time that isn't a lone player. And... We'll have to see if it if it pays off for them. They are running out of games massively, but they will be slightly aided in this game week, at least by the fact that they the team they take Paul McElroy off. Balomina United don't give one of their rivals down there, Dungannon Swift's any points as Balomina went out 2 0. Balomina, we're talking about the Exodus out of Wilger Park. Well, you know, Balomina for their own Choice on putting some players on the transfer list. You've now seen Parkhouse move to the Reds, move to Claphamville uh, as a bit of a prove it chance for him. Uh, he was on the transfer list. You also see Keelan Lochran go to Lockall to try and help their promotion push. Connor Keeley left. Uh, he requested the transfer. He's down at drawder, and they lose Paul McElroy up top. They have plenty of strikers and David McDeed. And Jordan Gibson, so they may be down on numbers, but they're still getting the results. 2 0. David McDade wrapping that up. Dungana Swift will feel as though a potentially a chance to get some points lost.
1: It was a soft penalty for them to give away, really. Um, don't think that uh, needed to go through it. It looked it was a nailed on penalty, in my opinion. Um, Dungana. Although to be honest, it didn't really matter the result in the end, but they'll be aggrieved because that was they were definitely offside. It was definitely offside the, the um the second goal it was 95th minute. Um it was too late to achieve anything anyway. But um they can certainly be aggrieved there. The linesman was right in line, but they don't understand how he didn't flag. It was bizarre. But um, yeah, Balamina, uh really, it's gonna be like the the scene from Fresh Prince where Will Smith's just standing in the in the in the room on his own, but nothing surrounding him because it's just going to be David McDade in his own, thing. It's a case of this
0: is a chance to just change the squad. Is this maybe bringing down the budget? Again, it's not really clear what the McElroy deal. Was there potentially a nominal fee put across? Is that a moving on a wage thing? Regardless, it feels as though, particularly this win against Don and Gannon Swift's, Balamina, even if they go on a bit of a dip, they shouldn't really be dragged in to down in that part. You'd have to have a number of teams going a big run and them just to fall. So it's a bit of a weird purgatory, isn't it? Because they still could get seventh and roll the dice in Europe. But in turn, it feels like if there's any team right now you're looking at next season going, bar, of course, the teams near the bottom, that you're going, okay, they are a team in rebuilding. Balamina look like they're a team in complete rebuild mode, be it next season and beyond.
1: Yeah, well, Balamina are sitting. They there's that wee battle um between Glen Glenavon, and Carker maybe just still in there too, to be honest. Um, for that seventh spot and the potential um last playoff place, uh, they probably need maybe a bit of a rebuild. Uh, Balimina. they they have quite a lot of older players there. Um. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe Ross Redmond's still 25. It feels like he's been around for, a, for about 30 years. I remember running sign for the Glens. I thought he was about 30. It's mad to think the people were calling for David Jeffrey's head earlier in the season, offered a resignation. Things could have been so much different for Ballymina, Um, had the board accepted the resignation. But they've got a bit of form Um, about them. They're maybe a wee bit like Glen Alvin. You never know quite what they expect. But I'd say their, their fans are probably pretty content.
0: It's like they're a less dramatic, Glenavon. Like, look, look at this. Glenavon take down Crusaders midweek. A Crusaders team which I was getting all hyped. I was a prisoner of the moment. I was like, look at this team. They've got all their players back. They're looking fit. They're looking great. They are... Like the best team to play against the top six. All they need to do is not wreck it against the bottom six. And then they wreck it against the bottom six in Glenavon. A game they did not need to lose. A bit like with Cliffordville and Carrick. And then Glenavon take that really great home performance against Crusaders. The Crusaders had a poor, a poor showing in that game. And then Linfield just walk all over them at home. This team is as topsy-turvy... Is as shake the it ball and see what it says than you could ever be. They get completely caught up in the highs and then get resilient in the lows. I, I it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I check the scores. I was sitting at the at the oval on Saturday and I checked the scores and said to my mate, "Oh, it's one each, Glenavon, Linfield. It's like Glenavon just don't know what to be at. Like that, that's the beat the cruise made big. They could go on and win that. And then I checked my phone a full time and I was six one, and it's just one of those. You're not surprised though. That's the thing they've taken. They've taken a few really, really big hammerings in the last few years at Mooranview Park as well. They've taken a few big hammerings. Getting hammered by Linfield isn't exactly a massive um, surprise, uh, but at the same time, you wouldn't have been surprised if Glenavon had went out and hammered Linfield.
0: I would not have been surprised by that at all. And it's just a strange week in the world of Glenavon. Will they potentially see this as the opportunity now where, like Balamina, they're behind Balamina, but a chance to... Rebuild themselves. They've got a nice little young spine in their team, but is Matthew Fitzpatrick going to be a part of it? We saw with Crusaders that uh, Johnny McMurray is now officially on the transfer list. He joins Dean Ebe on there, two strikers who are on there. Clearly, Crusaders want to jump in and grab Fitzpatrick. Is Cash and McMurray going to be the thing that gets us over the line? We don't know, but Crusaders show that they've got uh, a decent amount of attacking flair in a week where they scored two away to Glenavon they get three against Newry City at home, it felt like a result that was always on the cards Uh, but we have to talk about the big long goal from Jordan Forsyth, he scored a couple of goals now in recent weeks but uh, Stephen Maguire he just concedes long goals, he's conceded this one and didn't he also concede that really long one from Greg Merhuis I feel like this is longer but He's been punished for taking a few steps away from his goal line.
1: Yeah, uh, Jordan Forsyth taking a leaf out of the book of Andrew Mitchell's worldies. You know, he's uh, he's taking over that mantle. As he, it was a peach of a goal. Was, uh, the keeper wasn't that far off his line, so it was it was it was pure audacity to have a go. But he had a go and he beat him, and he'll be absolutely delighted uh, with that. Uh, of course, his teammate Dean Ebey put himself talk about putting yourself in the shop window. Uh, they've obviously transfer listed him and he's all four goals in two games and yes one of those games was
0: against the bottom side in the Championship Dergview but anytime I've seen Dean Ebbe this season it feels as though he hasn't been had he hasn't had the confidence to really assert himself on the game and he's he's trying to make a quick impact off the bench and he's got height he's got a, a tiny bit of pace on him and it feels like he's closer to that kind of target man and look Jordan Owens is Make a little foray in the team as well. Perhaps this is just a bit of a. Dean Ebbe is the man they wanted all along, but that would be a huge blow for Glenavon if we were to lose. Matthew Fitzpatrick doesn't look like it's on the cards, but you know we'll have to see what Crusaders do. They're clearly in for a striker some
1: way, somehow. I did see in the Sunday Life, uh, and my eyes lit up. Uh, Stephen Rooney wrote that um, Horne are interested in signing one Matthew Fitzpatrick of Glenavon. So. That would be a welcome addition because we don't have very many goals yeah i
0: was saying that as well i thought that was very very interesting do you think matthew fitzpatrick can play a wing back or
1: <laughs> yeah well his left back is normal position He can play midfield um, <laughs> yeah we just love we love strikers left backs and goalkeepers so if you pick any inboxes apply within
0: Let's look ahead to a wonderful mystery tour of unlimited potential that will be this weekend. Six games, weather pending, and one which, well, an area that has been struggling with the weather down at the nearest showgrounds. Pressure on, lights are on, the BBC's in town. Ooh, it's is along the lines of a get right game for Glentoran if they can Yuri are probably second if i told up all the results second bottom along with Glentoran there and when it comes to the most recent form book but what Yuri bring to every game is fight and that pitch has been a bit muggy in recent times Perhaps a bit of a scrappy, fighty game is exactly what Glentor need. On what if the weather is anything to go by right now,
1: an absolutely Baltic Friday night. Yeah, seeing the temperatures drop to minus three this week, I think it's to be pretty mild though in the on Friday. Um, so I'm hopeful that game will go ahead. Um. And I say hopeful because I do think that we need to get Saturday out of the system. He's, um, he's
0: have to play a game at some point here. Like You yeah. have you're three games by everybody else. The whole yeah. Balamina game called off. Another Balamina game called off uh, for you guys due to Waterlog at the Oval. But I can imagine until that first goal goes in for Glen Tord, if it in fact goes in, it will be tension in the stands at the nearest showgrounds.
1: Well, it wasn't easy last time i went there and we were in good form when we went there um their goalkeeper was inspired that day uh so it will be it'll be a tough game we know it'll be a tough game we'll be under no like glennan will be under no illusions the players will be under no illusions um but i would say that this is a game they'll be looking the management will be looking the players will be looking at the next two games and they'll be thinking these are winnable fixtures these need to be this is needs to be when we kick start our season to settle some of the animosity um, and some of that um, sort of anxiety that's floating around against supporters supporters uh, because we've only got one game on Balaminas so you need to be careful you know you don't want to be all of a sudden it'd I, be a big shock if we were to fall out of the top six but you do need to be careful and you know you can't get complacent
0: absolutely not Nuri well you know there's been bigger shocks but I don't know how that could you call that I think Whoever scores first, likely to go in. Do you think you'll be telling your shouting? Do you think you'll be shouting from the sidelines to players as soon as they cross the halfway line to give it a dig and see what you can do? Who who probably has the best long range shot in your team?
1: McCartan, maybe. Um, probably Sean Murray. Sean Murray scored that worldly on his debut, um, away to derby and then he's had a few since then. Um, he's had a few opportunities. I think uh, he doesn't score many, but he, the ones he has, he's he's had a few digs. Or Bobby Burns. He likes to have a shot from anywhere. <laughs> he doesn't score too many, so he likes to stick his laces through them. I didn't
0: think I'd be saying this earlier on in the season, but that could be a, a weird one to call. But surely Glen will will come out with, uh, they'll take it, hook it by crook, win an ugly, you'll take it no matter what. And that probably is the way it might go down. A team that would win ugly or just win anyway, it could bounce off their back heel or however it could go in Portadown host Carrick Rangers. This feels super key to the Mid-Ulster side if they're to start to build their progress and move up the league. I think they lost both their games against Carrick Rangers already this season. So this time
1: it's at Sharmrock Park. Do you feel as though this is a chance for Portadown to do bits? I do. I think that this is an opportunity for Portadown. Um we've got the new players in. I know the character are a really hard team, but you know, character on the road. Um, it's a really good opportunity for Porter Down to get some points on the board. Whether it'll happen or not is another thing. But um being at home, um, there seems to be Nile Curry seems to have brought in a new um sort of positivity. He's a positive guy anyway, Nile Curry. Um so he's 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 brought in this new air of positivity where everything isn't all doom and gloom. So he could um Portadown could deliver something there, um, or even a point, even if they got a point, they'd be happy enough, because every single point counts at this stage of the season, and Dungannon are creeping away from them, and you have to feel, you know, if Dungannon get another win on the board, then that could be curtains for Portadown. Well,
0: they got a draw against Dungannon, didn't they, on the 2nd of January or so, which didn't really change things up, a bit the way where I would... Not criticise Linfield, but I would highlight that with Linfield, they're not getting results against the top six sides. That could be the thing that would mute their progress. Portadown probably need to get results around the teams around them. But I think nuri's beating Carrick, Dungannon's beating Carrick. You need to start copying those boys and getting up there. And we await, I believe, the review on the portadown nuri case should come this week. So we will likely talk about it on the podcast. So we'll see how that maybe impacts the mentality I probably will say this is a draw. I think they'll knock each other out. And a bit like that on Gannon game. A bit turgid and nothing really comes up. But a game that will be thrilling. A game between two sides that, I've said it before, are sick of the side each other. Easily one of the big games of the weekend that has a few little tasty ones. Coleraine go to Cliftonville. This is huge. Coleraine win this. They're already in it points-wise. This puts them right into the window of title challengers. Cliftonville win it, and they start to pick things off. They swat away and say, not today, Coleraine. We're the real boys at the top of this league. Fascinating result, which probably means a draw.
1: It's going to be a really big victory. I'm surprised this one wasn't chosen for the Friday night, but then I think this just said December, so maybe they didn't realise what um, what would be on the cards. Um but yeah it's going to be a, a really tight encounter neither team will want to lose and that usually leads to one thing a big draw um but big big old draw you just don't know though because anything can can happen at, at solitude um you know Cliftonville are so good at solitude uh, so they could easily go out and and win comfortably you just don't know
0: it's the two best attacking teams in the league i don't think that's in doubt shaumer the heels Gormley's really in a groove at the minute, keeping Curran out of the team. Corian, they've got goals coming from everywhere, and they're looking a bit stout at the back. Well, home advantage play a big role in this. It clearly did when Cliftonville played against the Blues. I want there to be a goal within the first three minutes, because then it will be bombastic. It'll be one of the potentially one of the best games ever in the Irish I think it could be amazing. But we'll see. I I cannot call it, but I'm somewhat feel. See, I'm feeling Korean. They're they're my prisoner of the moment team. Where I'm like, hey, they're so good. They're they're winning. They look so flashy. But then again, I'll say Cliftonville are great at home, and every time they've had a bad result, they've snapped back like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's one of them things. Cl- or Korean, I would say, are probably the form team of the league. Would be right in saying that they're they're um 100%. just winning, winning, winning. Um. Corey and when you think that they're gonna um like or Cliftonville, sorry, you think when they're they're gonna drop points and maybe go on a wee bit of a bad run, they just win the next week. There it's, it's a really strong mentality in that squad. The only thing is with it being such a tight it's health is quite a tight pitch um as well and Corey and the play with a lot of width and that could work in the Cliftonville's advantage. Um Jamie Glacken was super at the at the weekend um and yeah, Cliftonville could make the most of that.
0: You've won me over. I think maybe this... Whoever
1: wins it will edge it.
0: Famous last words. I'm going to give it to Cliftonville. One team who will be loving a draw. When it comes to Irish League cliches, there's the one at the absolute top of the list. And it's Linfield, just get it done. And you know what? If Linfield so far this season, if Linfield were to lift the Gibson Cup, it feels as though it would be one of the least eventful... Like they have just taken care of business, but when teams are taking care of business, Balamina seem to be the team that crops up and laughs in their face and go ah, you were supposed to beat us and we come up big, in a, in a really big spot, but going down to Windsor feels like a a big step up for this, somewhat, tricky Balamina side.
1: This was a showgrounds Balamina showgrounds, mind you, I've I've looked. At- like Balamina or Linfield going to Balamina a few times and went, Oh, that could be a potential dynamo skin and then Linfield end up winning handy enough earlier in the season, for example, the game it was on um BBC, I think the one two 0 in the end. Um so I, I don't think that Balomino will go to Windsor and cause any sort of upset there. Um I think that Linfield will be it would have been a different story maybe if Linfield had a loss or drop point to Glenavon at the weekend. Um, you know, losing to Cliftonville and then dropping points to Glenavon but off the back of such an emphatic win, um, all their players seem to be in in decent form. Um, in fact, I've been reading that like uh, Joel Cooper's been in pretty poor form at the minute, but Linfield are still winning. Like, obviously, I don't, I haven't watched them, but he's um he's a top player. So the fact that they're still winning games without him being on top of his game, um, just makes you think that they will swipe away anything that's that comes in their path.
0: Yeah, that could be. It could be a title win for Linfield, but again, Dave McDade's jumping up and in big, big places. Uh, But a a massive game uh, at the top of the league. Lorne host Crusaders. Lorne are somewhat the vampires of Inver. It's like, oh, the big bright lights of 3pm and during the day. They would love the little Friday game, no doubt. This could be big. So many, like I said a few weeks ago, so many of these big top six... Battles are happening. They're coming at us thick and fast. And you win and you bounce out. Crusaders are at the minute. I think they're still... I haven't updated my a little table. But they're one of the best, if not the best, against the other top six sides. Do they go into Inver and make things happen? Because Lauren have been strong there. But I don't feel like either of them are really running at full potential no i would
1: agree i think like i said earlier on um lauren weren't brilliant on saturday but they didn't have to be but they are they just have they have a lot of attacking talent that can trouble any team um they have obviously added to their squad they've got in there now um i think at at home it's a really really tough task for anyone to go to ember park and get three points crusaders obviously off the back of a good win themselves another really hard one to call and um, to be honest um but i do think that home advantage will maybe see lauren edge it the crusaders haven't had the best of form against lauren recently i think that um, lauren beat them 4-1 at the same venue um back in november time and i think that uh that might play in the crusaders minds too
0: let's bang the six point claxon this is a six pointer ladies and gentlemen as Crusaders are on 45. Lauren are on 48. But with a game in hand. So Crusaders. I know what Stephen Baxter's team talk is going to be. You win. And you're back in the mix again. All is forgotten about the drama that went down in Mooranview Park. That could be a real key motivator for them. Says a draw maybe perhaps. I think it'll be tight. And they'll be a wee bit skittish and be keen not to drop things boring to say a draw but if I was to give any team an advantage I kind of think Crusaders maybe have less to lose which I would maybe give to them but I do think it will be somewhat of a steal yeah, I think
1: Crusaders um are a team that you don't want to come at you and when they don't have anything to lose um, going all gung ho shall we say because they've got a bit of everything in their team They've got the big man. They've got the wide man. They've got the players who like to score from forty yards. So um, yeah, it's not not someone you want coming to come into your place uh, when they don't have a lot in the line. But the, the suppose looking at it, they probably do have quite a lot in the line when you look at the league table. Like we're suppose me and you're sitting here talking as if they're not in the title challenge. They're right in the thick of it themselves. So it could be a cagey game.
0: Yeah. Well, ultimately, Lorne took them to the woodshed the last time Crusaders were there. Extra motivation. Another brilliant, brilliant game. And then finally, Dungannon, Glenavon. And Dungannon will look at this game as another one of those life raft matches, the same way Portadown against Carrick. It can really go either way. But after what is seen as a good run of, of games, getting wins against Newry, drawing against Portadown, uh, you know, and, and getting wins against Carrick. Glenavon is another thing altogether. And I kind of think maybe Glenavon get back again. But it's hard to predict anything about Glenavon. Yeah. I can't go for another. I can't go for a third draw this
1: podcast. Save me. No, I'm I'm not going for a draw here. Dungannon beat uh, Glenavon obviously 1-0 um, at their own place back in November time. And then we... You know, going back again, obviously this was also at Stangmore Park. Um, back the last April time, it was the the three two thriller. Um, at the Stangmore Park, so they they can get one over on Glenavon, but it is uh, going to be pretty tough. Um, for uh, Dungannon, I think after coming away from um from More View a six month defeat, I think that they're going to want to prove something. Um, but you know, with Donegal being at home, it is going to be a tough trip for Guy Hamilton and his men. But uh, no, I think that I do think that Glenavon will will win this one. Um, but like I say, they don't have a brilliant record there of late.
0: Matthew, delight to have you on once again, even if it's not on the funnest of circumstances. But sometimes it's nice to come on and and maybe reflect on the frustrations, get that out, you know, a bit more cathartic. But of course, you are mild-mannered and uh, well-spoken because you are a man that is uh, doing this on a consistent basis yourself let's go to plug time shout out to the oval podcast tell us all about it if they haven't heard you before
1: yeah so the most recent guest we've had on the podcast is gary smith um he talks about his time at Genthorn and Avon and the spell at balamina too uh, but it really fascinating because there's stuff that I didn't know. Um, he left Glenavon under a bit of a cloud with an ACL injury. Yeah, that was really interesting. And then he also talks about his time as Glenthorn manager, the short-lived time of Glen manager, and all the things that went on behind the scenes there. So um, bit of uh, a scandal for everyone to listen to. Um, that was uh yeah, that was out on Saturday. So these podcasts are out every after every Glen's home game um and they usually involve a player who has represented a lot of teams in the league so there might be something of interest there to non too
0: do you not find that really difficult and hard that sometimes you're chatting to these guys that are legends of your club like i, I no matter what i would find that somewhat intimidating or are you a chip off the old block and your your best buds no matter what
1: i i'd love talking to the players because i grew up watching them um and it's just it's it's a bit like if you had a totally young matthew brown that he would be sitting interviewing these players he probably would have had to pinch himself because you know these are players that i idolized when i was younger um but the players from the likes of guy smith sierra they're the best ones to interview they're cuffed from a different cloth uh, They just rolls off their tongue they've done so many interviews in their time um and then the the players that are coming to the sort of later stage of their career have had marcus Keane on twice as well and stuff and it's just it's like spoke, speaking to someone like marcus Keane, like having a chat with your mate down the pub um you know that's just the sort of fella he is so um sometimes it can be it can be daunting when you're going in like i didn't know what to expect off the eddie patterson one, which was the episode that i was talking about last time i was on um but it turned out to be brilliant too so everyone's been great and uh yeah, as I say, it's the people from different eras um, respond in different ways.
0: Gary Smith wouldn't know what a TikTok is if it came up and had his dinner. So that's that's somewhat of an advantage. And, uh, yeah, it's also nice to have the more experienced players. They're out of the out of the game a bit more. They can speak their minds, say their bits and pieces, you know, reflect on history. But uh, it's definitely a mixed bag. Uh, but, Matthew, absolute delight to have you on. Great to have you. Go check out the Shout at the Oval podcast and hopefully I'll be chatting to you again sometime very soon and it'll be for fun things.
1: See you after the Glens Irish Cup win for the 2R Glentorin kick match Special, Peter.
0: Confirmed! Big click of the pen for dramatic effect, gonna get a little metaphorical page, give it a big tick and go, oh yeah, another cracking episode, January-asy fun time of the year to do this there's like lots of huge games happening as we talked about and the transfer stuff is fun as well i hope you enjoyed. hope you're keeping well thank you very much for listening all the way till the very end just don't click you know next up next up don't worry we're we're nearly there because i have to say hey if you like this you can follow me and on my social media stuff I i post on there too sometimes i post my lovely little face you can go to instagram facebook or twitter search for kicking match and it should bring you up. You might need a few more words if you want to listen to me through your smart speakers, which is now up by 1%. Can you believe that, boys and girls? All this knowing talk at the end, which has kind of become an internal meme throughout the program, which you're like, he's still saying the same words, and I am, it's got 1% more people doing it let's get the rates up how do you do it you say hello smart speaker and you say hello can you please play kicking match an League podcast please say the full phrase and you'll not have to shout at it for not getting it right or playing i don't know some random song from the 70s until then talio see you next week chat soon